0: Today we chat with Andrew Mortensen, Principal Architect at Arbor Networks, the Security Division of Netscout. We are at the 102nd meeting of the Internet Engineering Task Force in Montreal. And the conversation today is about distributed denial of service open threat signaling or DOTS, an active IETF working group, which Andrew has been involved with. Andrew, welcome to Packet Pushers. And in a sentence or two, would you tell us about yourself?
1: Sure. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks for having me. Um, So I am a principal architect at Arbor Networks, as you were saying, uh, security division of Netscout. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've been responsible for uh, a lot of uh, rapid prototyping, some evaluation of of, uh, new technologies. And that was part of the reason we ended up uh, working with DOTS here at the IETF.
0: Okay, so now I don't think we've ever talked about DOTS on packet pushes before. It's been mentioned, but we haven't gotten into it particularly. Uh, And That's how how you reached out to me. You heard it mentioned on a different show we were talking about uh, DDoS and said, hey, we should talk about DOTS. So here we are having the show. Um, So for people that have never heard of DOTS and Mm -hmm. the effort, can you give them the the elevator pitch, the 10,000-foot (laughs) overview?
1: Sure. Uh, So DOTS is really a way to communicate uh, a very basic message between networks, which is help it hurts here. Uh, where it hurts is you've got a DDoS attack coming in and it's, it's uh, overwhelming your networks or services and you just need a way to say to somebody who's capable of helping you with that, help do something for me.
0: And surprisingly, right. There's never been any formalized technical mechanism for that. It's been more of a a phone call. Um, Uh, Typically
1: a phone call. There are uh, a number of uh, proprietary ways to do this. There have been some sort of uh, non-interoperative, non-interrupt versions of, of uh, signaling for these things. Uh, uh, Arbor itself has a proprietary version, um, that we've had around for eight eight years or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that's another reason we're here because uh, we see advantages in uh, having this open standard where where uh, different network elements can can uh, can communicate the need uh, for that. All
0: right, so that's what's really driving. Well, well yeah, actually, let's qualify that. What mm-hmm. is driving the need? I mean, because so far we've had DDoS mitigation of uh, many shapes and sizes. It's kind of working. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's really come up that has said, "All right, we need a we need to standardize the signaling mechanism." Right. A
1: lot of it is is a, is across. Uh, 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 autonomous systems right when you're actually signaling across uh, domains uh, that's where things get tricky so if you say there's you have an attack coming across uh, your domain and it's hitting me will you do something on my behalf there is no standard way to request that that's that phone call maybe you know somebody in the knock you uh, can actually uh, help you out there uh, there are you can do uh, flow spec across boundaries but that's tricky that's uh, there are ways that, that can go very wrong uh, so DOTS is really a way to say, it's kind of an advisory way, an advisory protocol that says, can you do something for me? And there, unless you have a service level agreement, you know, the other side can say, well, I can't help you right now. My, my capacity to help you is, is chewed up, uh, or I don't know who you are and you're not going to well, let me do it. Okay,
0: and the core of this issue then is this is a distributed denial of service attack yes. coming from however many points across the internet. Yes. You probably don't have a relationship with many of the points across mm-hmm. which that DDoS attack is traversing. Right. So the signaling mechanism, a standardized signaling mechanism through dots Mm -hmm. means I can talk to a third party I don't have a relationship with Mm -hmm. and state in a standardized way, this is the problem I'm having, I see it coming through your Mm -hmm. administrative domain, can you help me?
1: Sure, that's one of the options. right? One of the the cases that's actually discussed in the use cases document is uh, an upstream provider um, for an enterprise where the enterprise is suffering a DDoS attack the upstream provider can actually then mitigate on behalf of that enterprise. But separately, there is that third-party scrubbing service uh, where you do not have a relationship with your, your upstream provider or a, a transit provider that is uh, having a DDoS attack, attack traffic mm-hmm. uh, come across uh, to you. Uh, so you might want to talk to that scrubbing service and uh, uh, ask them to, to do some work on your behalf and uh, steer the traffic through their scrubbing services before it gets back to you.
0: Again, that, and that that scrubbing service you're probably paying dearly for. It, that's, so,
1: that's, one, that's one possibility. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. so it's just another way to communicate to them. Um, well, I guess there's a few things here. Mm-hmm. One is if you were doing it the manual way, you might see in your firewall logs or IPS, IDS logs, these things that are identifiable yeah. as an attack. You could mm-hmm. call someone and say, okay, here's an example of the, you know, the attacks right. that we're seeing. And give them a handful of stuff. Mm-hmm but it's not automated, it's ugly, you got to do information gathering on yeah. the head end yourself. Mm-hmm. This lends itself
1: to... Yeah, the programmability, where you'd be able to discern whatever the, the attack scope is uh, and then request the narrowest possible scope for your mitigation. Uh, one of the things that we tried to do with DOTS is make sure that uh, the DOTS client, the, the entity that's actually signaling for help, uh, has a lot of control over over the scope, uh, assuming that the the server says you you own those resources, right? You can ask you can ask me to to divert traffic and and uh, actually filter. Uh, but one of the things we asked is, uh, of the working group was that we we make a way for the uh, client to ask for a lifetime. So uh, maybe I want mitigation for an hour, and once this attack starts to fade. Uh, I'm getting feedback from my, my upstream service that says uh, I'm no longer detecting any packets that are being dropped as part of this DDoS attack. Uh, that client can quickly withdraw that. So you have some control over that relationship as well. You can really uh, kind of control how long you want that scrubbing to be done on your behalf. Uh, maybe you were talking about cost. Maybe that cost is even so much you just want to withdraw and absorb the attack. <laughs> <laughs> right? But you, we're trying to leave a lot of control in the, the client operator's hands
0: so there 's a lot there dealing with the resources, so you mentioned the narrowness of the scope, and then, but I could also take it the width of the scope so so mm-hmm. on the narrowness side, what you 're yeah. saying is, okay, you actually own this uh web server, and you know these ports and whatever those services are that you 're explicitly requesting this mm-hmm. is what 's being attacked. I need these things protected yes. as narrowly as possible yep. because you don 't want maybe you only uh, want the web service to right. be uh, to, to be filtered on, and, right. and nothing else it could be.
1: right. you could so you can do some of that and and you know this is where we start getting into some details about how to divert traffic for the scrubbing that that can be complicated, right? If it's BgP, you got uh, to announce the slash twenty four to to divert that traffic uh, unless it's inside uh, a domain that you have a, a, a relationship and they can do very selective offloading, uh, possibly with FlowSpec, right? that is that is one uh, one possibility, so you can divert with FlowSpec itself. Uh, uh, there's also uh, DNS redirection as well. So you can also use domain names um, sure. and steer uh, that traffic. But that's uh, some of the implementation details, right? Dots is not the thing that's solving a lot of those, those issues. Dots is the, the, the way to say, I need help. I expect you that has the operational experience and expertise to do those things for me.
0: But it does give us a way to say, this is exactly and precisely what I need help with. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose, so So then going to with, you could, rather than give a sampling of who's attacking you, you mm-hmm. could give a pretty complete list of all the inbound IPs you yep, see.
1: Yep, in fact, that's that's one option. So uh, part of the DOTS protocol is is that we've split it actually into two different channels. We're calling one the signal channel and the other one the data channel. Uh, the signal channel is that vehicle for saying, help, it hurts here. Um, it's a very resilient protocol. It anticipates that you're going to lose uh, some packets. You're going to have some lossiness. Uh, As in the DOTS client yes. is sitting on the far end of... It could of, be sitting on the far end of that pipe getting, that's getting flooded. Okay, yep, exactly. So you're trying to go through a flooded pipe. Yeah, ideally you're, you're not having to do that. You have some maybe dedicated link that you can actually connect to your, your dot server with, but uh, we're trying to allow for all kinds of situations, including the case where you have a congested link. Uh, uh, but separately, then we have this, what we're calling the data channel, and that's really for bulk exchanges. Uh, and that can include those those uh, blacklists of, of uh, IP ranges or IPs themselves that are, are actually the um, uh, sources of attack that you've detected. Um, but that's not a requirement. That, that anticipates that you have um, something in your network that can actually detect and classify attackers. But that may not be the case. You may have, uh, I think one of the extreme examples that's come up is mod security might even be, you know, this is mm-hmm. uh, speculative, but maybe you have mod security that says there's an attack underway, I'm going to signal to uh, a DOT server nearby that says I've detected an attack. Um, mod security itself may not have any real understanding of what's going on there, but so you leave that up to the upstream element um, that can do that classification.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a lot Baked in there, it sounds like, already. So mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's talk through the architecture. You've mentioned sure. a DOTS client, you've mentioned a DOTS server. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I read about a DOTS gateway. Yes. Um, you've mentioned flow spec as a possible yes. mitigation mm-hmm. technique along the way. So mm-hmm. let, walk us through uh, w- what a client is and a server is and so sure. on. Sure,
1: sure. The, the the really simple, what we call uh, all of the DOTS speaking elements, we call them DOTS agents. Um, and that encompasses the DOTS client, that encompasses the DOTS server, and the DOTS gateway. Uh, The DOTS client is the entity that's responsible for saying, uh, help, it hurts here. Uh, The DOTS server then is fielding. So so back up. (laughs) So that client then could
0: be, where would I deploy that if i Sure, sure.
1: The DOTS client can can be in a number of different places. Uh, Right now, the the, uh, obvious place to put that would be in an element that can detect attacks uh, of some kind, Uh, possibly uh, a DDoS mitigation service, a filtering Mm -hmm. uh, service, or a firewall. Uh, and so it can just live in a place that is designed to do this kind of detection. It's sitting
0: in the right place, where right? it's in the, the stream of data where you're expecting yes. you would see an right. attack hit. That DOTS client is sitting there, and it's doing what? It's observing? Uh,
1: well, uh, the DOTS client itself does not have to be the entity that's responsible for observing. Uh, there's, there's some assumption here that you have something that's capable of do, of monitoring uh, your traffic, whether that is something that's inline, and uh, doing packet-by-packet packet inspection, uh, or taking flow, uh, net flow, and actually deciding and that an attack is, is present.
0: And so once whatever it is is detected that a net hack is yes. present, it would need to be knowledgeable that there's a, you know, a DOTS
1: agent it can... It can speak to, correct. It can speak to, yeah. Right, and so it, this depends on on your deployment model, but you might have that that uh, entity that's doing the detection uh, uh, behind your NAT, in which case you need to signal to something that can, can talk about uh, a public mitigation scope. Uh, so maybe you have uh, this Dots gateway. So uh, let's let's move on to that. Uh, the Dots gateway is really a way to uh, sort of hide your internal architecture. Um, so you might have uh, some Dots clients scattered around inside your network. Maybe you have a number of different networks that you're responsible for, but you only have a couple links out to the public internet. Uh, and so you want to aggregate uh, those those mitigation requests. So you have you've detected attacks of. of uh, various types inside your networks. Um, you need something that's going to then try to uh, collect those, those mitigation scopes that are, are really going to be uh, helpful f- to fend off this attack. Uh, so the DOTS gateway is really just a logical uh, concatenation of a DOTS cl- a server on one side and a DOTS upstream, upstream a DOTS client, back-to-back. It's very similar to a, a SIP back-to-back user agent.
0: You need something that's going to translate those internal resources to an external resource that a, uh, a mitigation solution can actually help you protect. Because Correct. obviously it's not useful to be saying, hi, my RFC 1918 access is exactly. yep. yep. getting hammered. Yep. Hey boy, right.
1: uh, boy, we've seen so many attacks against 192, 168, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Not helpful. not, right. not going to okay. do anything yet. So, so the gateway does that business, as you said, basically a client on
1: one side and a server on the other so, the, the so the signal then is sent from a dot's client, possibly with this gateway in the middle to do that uh, translation you were speaking of, uh, and then the server is responsible for fielding um, those requests from the client. Um, and the client really just establishes the signal channel uh, by saying connecting, uh, proving who it is. We use a, a CoAP as the the uh, transport. Uh, which is the Constrained Application Protocol. Um, it has some really nice, uh, resilient characteristics. It, it's designed for uh, you know low-power networks, uh, lossy networks. Okay, it happens to be new to me, but, the, but
0: it is something that you reused. It, yes, it is, it, it is, uh, uh, is yeah.
1: an IETF standard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that makes it really nice for, for the DOTS protocol is that it has this concept of, of non-confirmable messages. Um, so in many ways, it resembles HTTP. In fact, there are some co-app gateways where you translate uh, HTTP to uh, co app for your uh, you know maybe IOT devices that are scattered around, um, so you have a bunch of the same semantics, but you also have this um, assumption that there are going to be uh, there're going to be lots of packets dropped, uh, possibly because uh, they 're low power elements, possibly because the, the connections they have are not very good.
0: Uh, okay, so it translates well to DDoS where Correct. you've got a flooded link that yeah. probably can't carry all your traffic. Yeah.
1: Correct, yep. So um, now the client's got this connection established with the server, and at, at any point um, it can ask for mitigation. Um, it keeps it, it's got a heartbeat to, to maintain the channel, which is just a co-op ping. There's a specific way to say to a, a co-op speaker, I'm still here, I'm still here. Um, but then when the client asks uh, for mitigation, um, then the server can it can take steps and say, yes, I'm, I'm initiating mitigation on your behalf for the provided scope. Uh, and then the client can ask um, for asynchronous updates on the status of that mitigation or uh, request that status update um, uh, synchronously. Um, so then as the server, uh, the dot server gets the mitigation underway, talking to a scrubbing service or uh, depending on the implementation, maybe it's just sticking a bunch of flow spec rules in place. Um, it, it then starts sending feedback uh, to the client. So,
0: yeah, and again, the server is really uh, another daemon that's piggybacking off of. It's not. A, it's not a mitigation service itself. It is the one that communicates. Hey, this is what I learned from the client. Yep. This is the protection that is needed, mm-hmm. and I need you to yes. you know, take
1: care of this. Right. All. All of the implementation deals are uh, details are hidden from the client.
0: Meaning a mitigation service needs to understand input from a DOT server and be
1: able to translate that into what a RIT specific, potentially probably proprietary. That's that's one real possibility. Uh, One of the the misconceptions we heard very early on was that uh, DOTS was going to be a universal mitigation API, uh, which just given the the challenges for that uh, seemed unworkable from the start. And so there were a lot of uh, conversations about what that actually meant. Uh, and so that's why I keep saying things like it's kind of an advisory protocol or you're asking for something well, the, on your behalf. It
0: doesn't seem too far-fetched at a glance. I mean, what, what, is, what actually prevents it from being a universal uh, mitigation API? I,
1: I, you know, that's a good question. I think one of the the uh, obstacles there is really uh, the different implementations from vendor to vendor uh, and how the, the what <laughs> okay, we might call right. a countermeasure uh, yep. to an attack is actually implemented uh, the way that uh, sin flood protection is, is implemented in, by one vendor uh, may be totally different um, when you move to a different vendor. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's not a good example, but once you get into well, layer 7 attacks and and, and other <sighs> scopes, it, it becomes difficult to, to um, I think, define, at least at this stage.
0: You'd have to really genericize different sorts of uh, attacks and mitigation yeah.
1: strategies. And, and with the, the cat-and-mouse game that, that's part of DDoS and, and advanced threat in general, yeah. Uh it, it it's tricky to do.
0: I mean it it is a bounded problem, but still a pretty large one yeah. to, to be able to define all those API calls in a generic enough way to make everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. you can do it's certainly a rat hole you could go yeah. down. And
1: you know, the one thing that we do have available in the uh the, the data channel we were talking about, the bulk data exchange, is uh, uh support for defining ACLs that you'd like uh, applied to your your uh, your traffic. Um so there is some control on there. It it's uh Again, not a, a mitigation API you're not saying please enable the following countermeasures uh, I'm seeing an attack that has uh, volumetric characteristics, uh, low and slow characteristics you know sort of the resource exhaustion connection mm-hmm. exhaustion uh, and uh, some layer seven I've got some uh, or maybe some amplification as well uh, go ahead and, and uh, protect me from all of those you're saying
0: that, that that's not really there right that, that level of detail right. exactly okay okay so there's still a so we've got a signaling mechanism, but it's it, it accomplishes um, a generic or a standardized way mm-hmm. to to share information, yeah. but it is not uh, it's not a it's not an instruction. Right. It's a request right. for help. Yes. However, that is to be interpreted by the yep. dot server on the other end, and then handed down to the mitigation services, right. really subject to interpretation. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and 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 I take it that's the way the standards have been written, that that's yeah, subject to
1: interpretation at this that, point? I think that's true. And then uh, one thing that we did try to also make uh, some space for is uh, uh, vendor additions to the, the protocol. So they can piggyback things that might um, in some way prime their, their own mitigation. So you've got some details. Maybe your DOTS client can tell you a little bit more about the profile of the attack because your DOTS client also happens to be some, maybe it's a firewall, maybe it's a a, a DDoS mitigation system itself, and so it's got some concept, uh, and if you happen to know what's on the other end, you can also then ship these details across. Uh, but So d- does that mean like vendor extensions to the DOTS communications protocol? That's Yes, that's a possibility. No, none of that exists, but there, we but tried to leave space be. for that, yeah.
0: Constructed that that was there. Got yeah. it, Okay. So it could be, um, you know, I'm talking to, you know, I don't know, an Arbor mm-hmm. uh, dots server on mm-hmm. the other end, right. and if I send these special extra things, that may help in the mitigation.
1: Right. They right. might. It might help your your uh, the time of your response. Uh, but we also have it specified in the documents that if if uh, you have unrecognized extensions, you just ignore them. So okay. the client doesn't really have to know that much about what's on the other side.
0: Sure. Okay. Okay. So what has been? Um, the the uptake so far from the community? Obviously, mm-hmm. there there's there enough to get a charter built, sure. there's a working group, there's several documents that have been created, mm-hmm. and, and, and what's the reaction so right. far?
1: Right, so at this point, we've heard about it. I, I Just speaking uh, uh, from uh, as, as an employee of my current employer, mm-hmm. uh, we have certainly heard about it from a number of people out in the field, Uh and from partners as well. They're, they're very interested in seeing this proceed. Uh, and As a result, there are now several implementations. We have, uh, we have one internally that we're, we're hoping to bring forward, um, uh, and there are some implementations that have come out of a couple other participants in, uh, in the DOTS working group uh, for interop testing. Um, and so we, we hope to see this really start to take off now. The, uh, the protocol drafts themselves, the signal channel and the data channel, are, are stabilizing right now. Um they've gone through a working group last call, which means uh, the working group itself has kind of determined uh, there there are no further things that need to be done at this time. We will uh, probably have some additional. Feedback and, and you know minor changes, but at this point uh, what 's defined in those protocol drafts is is uh, very stable, and so implementers can can proceed without worrying too much about you know significant changes to the spec
0: well it 's interesting to me as an end user because it means anything I 've got in my security arsenal that supports dots mm-hmm. if I 've got a dots target I can send to on the other end. Mm-hmm it's just made my communications process a whole lot easier. Right. So I can start looking, you know, is there dots inside more or less? Yep. And, uh, and since it's an open standard, that means there's certainly a lot of open source security projects out there that could leverage this. Absolutely. As yep. well as commercial solutions. Right. And in
1: fact, that's that's one of the reasons we talked about I, the mod security case again, where we're mm-hmm. talking about maybe it's an application layer, an endpoint that actually can detect something's going on. Uh, and then rather than having to um, require, require something uh, that really has a, a comprehensive understanding of of what DDoS is. You can ask uh, as an application for help, so you have you have an earlier you have a potentially an earlier detection based on the characteristics of the traffic that that endpoint is seeing.
0: Hmm. I want to go back to the dots data channel. Sure, you're just exchanging bulk bulk data bulk records. I know all of these things are attacking me. Let's say and I need to get yep. that data off. Okay. So as the DOTS client, is, where did I put all that data to begin with? Is it
1: living in a database somewhere? Is mm-hmm. it living up in memory? Uh, so the, that blacklist or the, the configuration that you... So yeah, you, yeah. You're, when you're saying, I, I need, you know, I've really identified uh, the things that need to be blocked. It's mm-hmm. these source addresses. Uh, or you should, no matter what I tell you, no matter what you see, don't block these addresses. You might have a whitelist that you, you don't want any traffic there. Um, so I think that's really implementation-specific. Uh, sure, okay. uh, So that might be... Uh, I mean, it could be manual... Uh, if there's somebody just monitoring traffic and deciding, uh, that's the, the extreme case. Um, but typically, you might have a, a firewall, uh, something that's seeing the traffic, certainly something that's collecting flow um, would have that. You'd be able to get uh, sort of the top-end uh, sources that are, are causing problems. Um, and then you can offload that to the dot server, which uh, depending on the available space in, in TCAM, um, <laughs> uh, you, can, you can actually drop uh, in, in hardware. So the dots
0: client then is going to push that data, bulk data in some format. Is it uh, is, is it JSON? It's, is uh, it-
1: it's, so it's actually using uh, NetConf, which is another standard from the. Uh, sure. Yep, okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we we looked at uh, sort of ease of implementation, particularly for that and. Uh, uh, netconf has, has gotten a lot of oh sorry not netconf restconf uh, oh, restconf enough, which is yeah. the, the HTTP uh, yes. form of netconf effectively right, right. or subset thereof uh, so yes the body is, is encoded in, in JSON uh, or whatever restconf will support now and in the future uh, and then you send that across uh, and um, uh, depending what the dot server is actually capable of implementing it can take your your blacklist there uh, start filtering uh, using flow spec rules um, and if you've got a narrower scope maybe you're providing source ports uh, you can you can do further filtering at that point.
0: Yeah, so we've talked a bit about flow spec. I think um, I think we kind of get it from the context how they are uh, distinct. I mean, Dots right. is signaling. Flow spec is a mitigation technique. It, yeah. It's going to take information in yeah. from Dots, particularly uh, potentially mm-hmm. you know, yep. that bulk data, and then you know create rules right. that are distributed around the BGP domain. Right. Um, and right. Do- Dots is the
1: communication vehicle, and then flow spec would be your policy yeah. enforcement. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, so
0: you mentioned there's a lot of vendor interest, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, end-user interest, uh, customer interest as well. Mm-hmm. So how far are we from any sort of real-world implementation, whether commercial, open-source, otherwise?
1: Sure, well, you know, I I, uh, I was unfortunately unable to join for the uh, the recent uh, hackathon this past weekend, uh, but I know that some of uh, uh, my colleagues in the working group had, had were able to do additional work, um, and we do have, uh, I believe, uh, three or four interoperative um, uh, implementations at this point. Uh, at least one of them is open source, possibly two now, uh, and this is uh, uh, reference implementations that can be adopted very quickly. Uh, the, one of the nice things about using CoAP as the, the signaling mechanism is that there are a number of open source CoAP um, uh, implementations out there. So You it's, don't have to write the comms You do yet, not you have to leverage. write the comms yet. Yeah, okay. you, can, you can implement then the spec on top of, of uh, the existing frameworks that are out there. Okay.
0: In other words, moving quickly. Yes, I think, that's, really I, think that's, yeah, of, I think
1: that's. Yeah, uh, I think that's. Especially with the the protocol drafts now uh, stable, um, it, it seems like uh, the focus is all on implementation and then uh, interrupt testing.
0: And so, if I'm a security person at my organization and I'm interested in this, you know, I, I want this. You know, mm-hmm. we were we're subject to DDoS a lot, and this yep. this sounds great. Mm-hmm. Should I be knocking on my security vendor door and, uh, and saying, "Hey, I want this"? Or
1: yeah, I think that would uh, that would definitely help move the needle um, uh, toward adoption. Um, so. It, it's, uh, uh, the open source efforts are available on GitHub. Um, you, can, you can very quickly get them. They're uh, testable, demoable, um, and uh, I certainly have to give credit to uh, Kanami Nishizuka, who's really uh, helped drive that effort from NTT. There's an implementation called GoDots, uh, which might even be a pun. He's never actually confirmed this for me as Godot, <laughs> but uh, like oh. waiting for, waiting for GoDots. I, I I'm not really sure. He's, he's, <laughs> he's never confirmed or denied that. <laughs> okay. uh, but that's, that's out there for people to play with right now.
0: So as far as IETF-102, which is where right now we're in yeah. Montreal recording this, have uh, there been, uh, aside from the hackathon, any code that's come out, have been any other major progress that we need to talk about?
1: Uh, sure. This I think just this past weekend, although we'll have to wait for the uh, interop report um, uh, at the DOTS working group meeting tomorrow, uh, they were working on some data channel uh, efforts, which uh, is is great because previous hackathons have primarily focused on signal channel implementation. So now they're really working on uh, interop uh, of that bulk data exchange mm-hmm. um, and that blacklist or ACL, uh requests.
0: Any performance concerns there? So, so let me preface sure. this. So FlowSpec, mm-hmm. um, there's a limit to the yes. number of entries and ACLs that you can put in they're just yep. there's only so much you can yep. cram
1: into hardware and it's it's from vendor to vendor it's there's some huge differences yeah. and,
0: and so does dots anticipate this or is there part of the signal yeah, saying, hey, I, I can only handle so much information or? right
1: in fact that's uh that's that's part of why i keep saying this thing maybe it's an advisory protocol it's largely help it hurts here right mm. uh we left space for the dot server to say i can't help you uh so you you can say uh I need help. I'm, you know, from, please mitigate for me. The dot server can say that, and you say, and I want you to to block uh, these hundred thousand addresses. The dot server can freely say no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, no yeah. Worries. So it's it's really uh, under operational control of the uh, the dot server. Uh, one of the other things we tried to do uh, to that end is to to let the the upstream the dot server uh, operator detect whether it's actually having an impact. It's actually helping the dots client. Uh, the dots client has a way to say it still hurts. Mm-hmm. It still hurts. Oh no, it's you, the thing you did now. I'm, I'm seeing the pressure is taken off. Uh, the attack is, is, uh, is abating. And, uh, uh, at some point, um, the dot server can then stop the mitigation and say, I'm not seeing any more attack traffic to you.
0: Is there any thought to, uh, aggregate global dots information mm-hmm. where a bunch of dot servers are receiving inbound information from dots clients, mm-hmm that could maybe inform some global... Oh, sure. Yeah, a lot of, that, would
1: be, that would be a very interesting uh, effort, uh, something that gave you kind of a, a global view, a global uh, visibility of, yeah. of ongoing attack traffic. Sure. Uh, you know, again, just speaking from my, my own experience with the, my current employer, uh, we do have uh, probes in some uh, major ISPs, and we've been able to do something like that, but using DOTS to then build out that visibility even further it sounds like a really interesting project.
0: So nothing formal or anything that's just come up? It Not just, at this point. but It just it, seems like an interesting way to use your sure. data because you've got live data streams flowing in from yep. clients all over the
1: world. In right. theory. You can, there are some opportunities for some forensics or uh, you know, post-mortem discussions or data exchanges that then allow you to do some analysis on trends. That would ooh, be, so we, could, we could say machine learning. Again. We, we yes. could probably even say <laughs> machine learning. Yeah. Even, even deep learning. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh, yes.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. So another question pops in my head, Andrew, and that is about... Uh, onboarding a dots client so i've got some dots clients i'm using i've got you know four more i want to add is there a a process for that because there's got to be some kind of an agreement between right. client and server that mm-hmm. uh you know yes i'm going to listen to inbounds from you
1: right right in fact uh we're requiring co- uh, client certificate authentication at least in the current spec uh and so that gets you into pki and all of the the tricky uh bits that are involved there um, and so we actually do have some conversations going on, uh, early conversations at this point about uh, the way to provision new DOTS clients, uh, taking advantage of some other standards, um, including uh, enrollment of, of uh, uh, new endpoints. Um, there are secure ways to uh, exchange your, your certificate request uh, with a, a certain um, a service. And I believe it's called ESP. I'm forgetting the RFC number. Um, but this uh, the enrollment over secure transport mm-hmm. um, uh, so you can as a dot server uh, get some uh, maybe one time token uh, and request your certificate with a, a csr uh, and that that enrollment service could then uh, uh, help bring you into the dots uh, environment and uh, a lot of this is is uh, is not very well defined, but this is what we're trying to solve. Yeah,
0: but but it, but it it really underscores the point that you wouldn't want a you know, a bad actor popping right. on the network as a dot client.
1: Correct. Yeah, the fact that we have uh, a lot of discussions, particularly in the architecture, uh, about the the impact that a bad actor, somebody that compromises uh, a dot client, could actually have uh, if they can request mitigation uh, and then withdraw it. You know, they can they can swing traffic around by uh, getting the. Oh the yeah, upstream. you could
0: use dots to create oh, your yes. own DDoS.
1: Yep, exactly. Uh, and, and one uh. of the, one of the things we're, we were very concerned about is is avoiding letting dots be, itself become a vehicle uh, for DDoS. Therefore, certificates, authentication, you know, tokens, yep.
0: etc., to really make sure that that endpoint that you're speaking to is who it says it Correct. is. Yep. It's not just the you know encryption of the requests yep. and all that. It's yep. about that authentication.
1: Right, and we've even we've even added a. a Trying to anticipate at least some cases where uh, even well behaved DOTS clients might end up having some negative impact on, uh, on the upstream network, where somebody requests mitigation, traffic is swung to the scrubbing center, they quickly withdraw it, gets swung back. And we're trying to let the DOTS mm-hmm. server then uh, say, OK, you told me to withdraw it, but I have some grace period before I actually uh, change okay. the path kind again. Kind of yeah. like, a,
0: like dampening. Basically. Exactly, yep, yeah.
1: yep, to avoid flapping. Yep. Right.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for introducing dots to us. Now for people that are interested in learning more, I mm-hmm. know they can go up to, uh, they, if they Google, uh, against the ITF and yep. look for dots, DDoS yep. open threat signaling, yes. they're going to find all the working group documents mm-hmm. are there. Um, the documents you've been involved in requirements and architecture along with some other ones is a yep. uh, half a dozen or so. I yeah, think, about that that are right there now, now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anywhere else you'd recommend that they do sure, yeah, research? Sure, yeah, we
1: we do have a, a, a GitHub presence. It's the Dots WG, uh, so GitHub.com/slash/dotswg, and okay. then uh, NTT has is, is uh, currently got a GitHub presence with the Godot's implementation. Um, so, I would direct people there for, uh, for a start.
0: Very good. Now, are you uh, social where people want to follow you directly? Yep. Uh, how do uh, they do I'm, that?
1: I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, More Tension, M O R E T E N S uh, I O N, a bad pun on my last name, but there it is. Um, <laughs> bad puns are what we're all bad about. Bad puns here. are what we're all about, stuff. yep. And uh, that's probably the best way to, to follow me right now. Very good, and thank you again for taking the time.
0: And uh, you can find this, if you're listening to the show, all the show notes, the links, uh, what Andrew was just talking about here for this episode are right in your podcatcher or go up to packetpushers.net, and the show notes are there as well. And by the way, if you do go to packetpushers.net, you can discover over 1,000 other episodes from across our podcast network for networking and infrastructure professionals. Along with our community blog and our news feeds, you can tweet at PacketPushers. We're on LinkedIn. Follow us there. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And hey, you can become a premium member at ignition.packetpushers.net. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.